Welcome back to the Life Change Podcast. All right, guys. Um, got Chelsea, Nelson, RD. Yes. I can't see all the other. Oh, it's there. not on the scrub. <laughs> it's only on a, one of my scrub tops. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> Lots right. of letters. Me, Dr. Bo. We got Dr. Blue Schneider John uh, here on the podcast today. And we were going to talk about how do we create this clinic, this practice, our ideas, our philosophies. Chelsea did not start with us. Her original bariatric surgeon was? Um, I had seven. seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> I worked okay. for seven different surgeons. So I worked for a hospital. Uh, at the time, it was called North Cyprus. And uh, now it's called, it's a HCA, a Houston Healthcare Hospital or something like that. Okay. So are we your favorites? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your favorite down there? We'll give him a shout out. Um, I had, the other okay, I had two favorites <laughs> down there. Um, Dr. Wagner and Dr. Leva. Those are my two favorites. Sorry, okay. Dr. St. Laurent. <laughs> I liked you. You just weren't my favorite. We're quite the top. You got you. You got you. I really hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> no, hey, but hey, if he is, we've made it. Yeah, <laughs> made it. that's right. Um, so your kind of question answer format, is that kind of what you wanted to do? Yeah. So I just thought it's interesting to me having worked in a different bariatric practice is everybody's a little bit different. And so I think that's part of the uniqueness of Panhandle Weight Loss Center. So that will be fun. Just um, maybe tell us how the practice got started. Like what was the initial, like how did you decide bariatrics or Amarillo or, you know, all of that? I just told this story a minute ago. You go and then I'll follow up. Okay. Well, it incorporates <laughs> both of us. So uh, I was training, I was finishing up my surgical training at the University of Florida. And I quickly figured out I did not want to do a fellowship. I did not want to do any more training. I just wanted to go to work. And my brother-in-law, who was in DO school at the time, was on a surgical rotation with Blue Schneider John in Dalhart, Texas. I was teaching him a lot of stuff. Yes, yes. He's an accomplished pediatrician now <laughs> because of your surgical intervention. Um, and my father-in-law uh, in Borger, Texas, had informed me that the general surgery position was going to be available in Borger, Texas. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this matches all my, my uh, re requirements. I didn't want to join a big group in the city. I didn't want to be a junior never partner for 15 years. Um, and so I made the decision that it would all come down to a conversation that I was going to have with Blue Peter John. <laughs> I didn't know the guy at this point. I knew of him. I did not know him. So I called him one random night. I think you called me back. I think yeah. it was kind of a, and um, he told me, I asked him, how was life in small town, Texas, doing general surgery, being the only guy, being on call? And he told me he loved it. Loved it. 100%. It was the, it was the fit of his life. It was the greatest thing he'd ever done. So I signed the contract, went to Borger. Uh, we didn't talk initially for those first few months. I had a tough case I called you about. Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of chatted about difficulties. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we started doing some cases together, some mm -hmm. some bariatric cases in Dalhart, Texas. And inguinal hernias. Inguinal hernia, laparoscopic mm -hmm. tap, mm -hmm. tap, inguinal hernias. Not that anybody knows what that is, but <laughs> complex inguinal hernias. And, uh, and then one day we found ourselves on a flight to Vegas. Uh, I was going to a surgical billing conference. You mm -hmm. were going to the ACS or ASMBS? The MISS. The MISS, yeah. Minimally, inver minimally Invasive Surgery Symposium mm -hmm. in Vegas, otherwise known as staying at the wind, never going to a seminar, 
but riding off the trip. That At that time, I was actually going to the, oh, yeah. the I was trying to learn things at yeah, that yeah. point. Learning things. And we we're loading the plane. He's like, hey, man, I got something I want to show you. And iPad or, or was was this the It was on my computer. Computer? I had the website. Yeah, had the yeah, website. The initial website. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. man, I don't like general surgery in small towns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And so I just made my decision to come to Borger because he loves Dalhart so much. And he was like, man, um, I'm going to go down and get this going. After about a year, uh, you come down and join me. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought he had a three-year contract. So I thought I had some time to ramp up things. Yeah. Well, I had a 90 day off. I immediately went home, put my, put my notice in and 90 days later, we were in Amarillo, Texas yes. doing business. Yeah. He called me about four weeks after that and said, Hey, um, I think. I went ahead and put my notice in. I'm coming uh, at, in August. And I said, awesome. We have. Oh, we, were, a, we, we were partners, so he didn't, he wasn't going to finance. Me. Oh, that's yeah. a whole nother. Yeah. yeah. We um, definitely, there was slim times, but that's what builds character. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. I mean, our wives, we just put our heads together and figured this all out. Yeah, but we, we kind of had the understanding it was going to be slim for a while. Mm -hmm. We had no idea it was going to be slim for as long as it was. <laughs> starting but, businesses are hard. Yeah, starting it's hard. Ground starting up. costs. Uh, but we survived. We survived. Yeah. So you basically barely knew each other. Yes. I mean, like phone call here and there. Like a yeah, we didn't train with one another. We didn't go to college together. So I'd say this, though. Uh, I realized when I, I first met Bo, you know people that you meet and you're like, hey, that's, that's a person that I would love to hang out with um and kindred spirits similar vision uh, and then also in the or one thing interesting is um there's there's a whole range of technical capabilities and that's what we're very similar and you need that to be able to operate together and we'll talk about that in a bit um so that's what we saw and we're like hey this is fun yeah. when you find a especially a business partner to um you you kind of feed off each other in the sense of the ideas, the vision, the um, bow is very detailed. I'm very big picture, and so it's a good it's a good um, compliment. Yeah. Does that make sense? Bo's really good on the finances. I'm more about painting. Hey, let's let, this is where I see us in ten years. Yeah. Yeah, I see that in you guys a lot. Like y'all are y'all are not opposites, <laughs> but you are very different. Yeah, I'd say we're. In a lot of things, we are opposite. He's a perpetual optimist. I'm a perpetual realist, which that's, he calls pessimist. That's why I talked him into general surgery and Borger. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm always if you if I'm going to paint the best picture. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't know to read through the lines. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I didn't know. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'll give you my my pers my my perspective. Uh, so I finished general surgery at Baylor in Dallas. I was uh, headed to. A fellowship in cardiothoracic in New York City, Cornell. I met my wife uh, my last year. Uh, we moved off there and basically um, I got up at 3.30 in the morning and got home at 10, 30, 11 at night. And it was hard six months. Um, I realized that that's not a way to have family. If that's, if you want to keep a marriage and uh, raise your kids, it, 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 it's really hard to do that. 
And I felt like the Lord knocked on my the door of my heart and said, I, I, I have something I want you to do different. Because being a dad and, and being a good husband was my number one priority. So I decided to leave that fellowship. Um, I did not have a backup plan. I came to Dalhart, the same thing. Like Bill had mentioned, the general surgery spot had come open. Um, I moved to Dalhart. And within six months, um, a history teacher of mine, I've had her on the podcast before, um, reached out to me and said, I'm going to, I really want to get a sleeve gastrectomy. I want to go to Dallas, but I'd love for you to do it, do it here in Emerald. I mean, in Dalhart. And my concept of bariatric surgery, I did it at, in Dallas a lot. The thing I did not like about it was they focused on nothing but the surgery. And I realized that for people to do well is about the lifestyle changes. And so I thought, let's, let's do this differently. And so I talked to uh, Margaret, that was our, our, my patient, and I said, Margaret, I was on the previous, she's a podcast. previous podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's over 10 years out. And um, so we got one of the dietitians at the hospital and then she worked with Margaret. In addition, my sister Jordan, a personal trainer, started working with her, worked I saw him jogging in the canyons and all that kind of stuff. And the whole concept was we want to change your life and teach you how to do that. And so fast forward, uh, did, did sleeves um, in Dalhart. And along the way, that's when Bo and I met. And he helped, we did some sleeves one day together and um, started developing the concept, knew that it needed to be an Emerald, a bigger town. Um, but also didn't want it to be an, I didn't want to have to do this by myself and, and covering call and the, the synergy. And so when Bo, when I presented this to Bo and he went for it, um, that was the, uh, that was the best thing in the world. And so fast forward the way that this developed along the way was just based off a common vision. Bo brought so many great, cool ideas. I brought so many, and we do this every day. We bring these ideas and then we vet them and then try to improve upon the concept of helping people change their lives. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and to add to that too, we were uh, in Borger and Dalhart. Uh, so the majority of weight loss surgery that's being done in the panhandle were people going to Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the Dr. Barker mm -hmm. uh, kind of wave. And we were dealing with those patients back in our practices uh, that went to Dallas, got surgery, were having problems, didn't want to go back or didn't get any education. And I think we, we identified that pretty early on, even before we kind of started here, like something needs to be done um, uh, to, to deliver a better service uh, to the folks in the panhandle. So that had a lot to do with, I think, your next question, like how did we... Um, well, I don't want to jump there. Yeah. One one comment I want to say though that's been fun is is we ourselves were pretty disciplined people, um, but I think Bo started the the challenge of the health and wellness in his own life, and uh, that's been fun because the past few years watching his life transformed, and then realizing myself I wasn't so healthy as that I thought, and so I started going on this own journey, whole journey, and it's been fun because now that's spread. U Chelsea and then the whole office and 
So it's been fun. It's never that you weren't unhealthy or healthy. It's just that you were genetically gifted was the comment. To process sugar and carbs. Yeah, <laughs> genetically gifted. That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's true. I think we talked about this not long ago. It's just the people that you surround yourself with, like, you know, they're either mm -hmm. going to bring you up or bring you down. Correct. Um, and so clearly you guys bring each other up. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. 98% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> Wait, wait. So, <laughs> so I, I want to do, I do want to say about bringing each other up and down. Uh, so Bo early on in his career, um, patience is, was not his strongest version. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> so in the OR. My mom's going to be upset that you said that. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, counseling and, um, and, and it's, it's amazing how far he's come. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, no, now it's the other way. Now, now I'm coaching him out of the doldrums. Uh, no, I definitely, uh, I, I, blue may not, may not agree with this, but a lot of it's just the experience and training, but, uh, when I changed my diet, yeah. um, I was a less angry person. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it coincided with just getting enough experience to where everything just got, you know, easy and, the frustrations in the OR. Um, but yeah, I, I, at early times in my life, my, uh, temper towards myself mainly, mm -hmm. would you say? Yeah. yeah. The, or the situation or the situation. I wasn't, I didn't yeah. get, I don't get angry at people or, or staff or anything. It was just, I would get mad at myself for putting myself in certain situations or making decisions to do things and regretting it. Uh, yeah. so I've gotten better at saying no. Yeah. Uh, I've I've gotten better at listening to Blue telling me not to do something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so that's that's been fun in the OR. We we tend when we're operating together, we tend to take on more challenging um, situations. Um, but part of that is Bo's got a big heart, and he never says no. And and like he said, I think all of us we've learned um, that there are limitations, and and you you realize that in the OR, everything can either go really good or, or once it doesn't, it's a hard situation. And so I think we've been really good at really ironing each other out in that um, and keeping balance. Yeah. And so that's one of the interesting <clears throat> things that I know a lot of our patients know this, but maybe not everybody. Um, and it's quite different from a lot of surgical practices, but most of the time you guys are operating together. <clears throat> so where did that idea start? From the start, um, we, well, I mean, there's a few reasons we decided to do that. Number one, uh, I didn't have enough cases to get my credentialing when I first got here. So Blue had to, had to proctor, uh, 25 cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we had to do, we had to do a minimum of 25 cases together for, for me to get my full privileges. So it kind of started there. And then, you know, the willingness to tackle more difficult things and the, the safety element. Um, I mean, you have, you know, two pretty experienced guys that are watching a case. I mean, that's, that's how you keep complications very rare. And I, I identified pretty early on, it was a career preservation maneuver. Uh, when you take on cases by yourself and you're in, you're in facilities where you don't know who's going to be assisting you that day. I mean, there's just a stress level that, that comes with that. And so, um, having the consistency, uh, and then the banter in the operating room, the, the discussions, uh, and we iron out a lot of things in the operating room, mm -hmm. um, I safely. Think, we're still operating safely while we're discussing things. 
So I liken it to this. I've always said the airline industry, they have two pilots. There's checklists. There's uh, basically you're always overlooking each other to make sure the, the plane's going in a safe direction. And I think at the OR, I think it should even be a higher standard than that. And so that's what we've kind of, we have created. And that's why our safety, our complications are very low. Our safety profile's high. Uh, we get a lot of comment from visiting surgeons all over the United States. They come in and they're like, they sit in the OR and they watch us and they're like, that is incredible what you'll have. Um, it's very, our operations go very routine, very smooth. They look effortless. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's, that's something I, I told my wife the other night that, that, that's, that's the gift that, that, or the blessing that we've been given and not very many surgeons can operate together. Uh, you get two surgeons can have egos and, and they can't usually work with someone that challenges them. And so you've got to have a degree of humility as a surgeon to be able to operate together. And Bo and I, we've, we've, we have that, um, not to say every now and then we don't hit heads on a decision, but we, but we do really good about that. Um, and so that's, it's, it, it, and, and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Um, and it, yeah, so I, I was in Birmingham, Alabama on Monday proctoring a surgeon and it's, it's funny cause that night I was talking to a couple guys that were on this trip with me about how there's no standardization in the field of bariatrics. Like every surgeon thinks that they do everything the exact right way. And we've even been into other practices where there's two partners and they don't operate together because they can't agree on the bougie size or the staple height and blue enough from the start. Cause they would come to us, the surgery staff, like, well, what, are, what is your selection for this case? It's like, it's the same. The same. Like we, we for, for probably the first year, we vetted out how we wanted this to look. Mm -hmm. So no matter which one of us walked into the operating room, it was the same surgery, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Because going back to that, we discussed that early on the pilot analogy. Getting into a plane, starting up, getting in the air is a very standardized process, mm -hmm. and we wanted our experience in the operating room to feel the same way. No guessing. Just this is the same way we do it every day. Yeah. And like you said, it reduces complications. It reduces the mental load on you guys. And I think it makes patients feel more comfortable too, knowing that like, hey, I'm not only in one person's really good hands, I'm in two. <laughs> and we try to keep uh, the same staff, um, a consistent message throughout the whole experience uh, here at, um, at the PWLC. Um, so that consistency means a lot. Yeah, so tell us how the Surgery Center of Amarillo became a part of kind of what we do here. Bo, you want to go with that one? Well, it started off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we were, uh, so insurance coverage of weight loss surgery in Amarillo is extremely poor. Mm -hmm. uh, what I mean by that, your employer uh, gets to select whether weight loss surgery is going to be covered as a, as a, as an included benefit on your insurance program. So, um, Amarillo is not very well covered. So most employers outside of the big, the big employers, Pantex, uh, Phillips, Valero, Tyson. meat packing plants. So give them like, a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Thou yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thousand Amazon, uh, yeah. Thousand employees or more, uh, because the, 
the we get we won't get into the the whole the decision making process there. for those Anyways. employers that recover it would return on investment within a year oh yeah i mean yeah. if they'd ever sit down with us we could demonstrate that cost savings medications lost time off work anyways we'll, we'll save that for another time uh but anyways we were doing probably 80 percent of our cases were cash pay so people don't have insurance they were paying out of pocket for the procedure uh, we were doing those in the hospital if anybody knows anything about hospitals everything's it's like it's it's like buying a beer at the baseball park it's it is it's extremely inflated yeah everything's extremely inflated in the hospital setting uh, and I somewhat get it. They got, uh, they got 200 people on the cook staff over there. They got, you know, 200 people cleaning rooms. They got, I mean, there, there's a lot of costs that goes into, but we, we didn't feel that, uh, the, the hospital setting was the best place for these patients. Uh, they do extremely well. It's an outpatient procedure. They recover well, they're up walking, they're drinking, they can go home. Right. So we felt it to be unfair financially to push people into the hospital setting because of the cost. And we knew competing with Mexico was it's a cost issue, yeah. right? So the, the lower we can try to get the cost, the more people we can get to stay at home in the panhandle. We can't ever be as cheap as Mexico. So. No, about you, Bo, but it, 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 when you sit down with patients and you talk to them about their weight struggles and their frustrations and, they get excited about an opportunity such as surgery to help change our life. And then they find out they have no insurance coverage and their face just falls flat and they walk out of here knowing it's, it's some of the, it's unaffordable to them. So we saw that for years with the hospital and we wanted to see those patients be able to have that opportunity to get surgery. So we were looking for an answer and what our answer was is trying to get the cost down as low as we could here. And that's, mm -hmm. so yeah. keep going. So then we, then we had a consultant working for us, Don Thompson, and he had asked us what one thing could, you know, benefit your practice. And we're like, man, we would love to have a surgery center so we could drive the cost down and, and really, you know, keep people home. So it was about six months and then Blue and I used to, we're trying to revive this tradition, but we used to take a yearly trip with the family, kids, wives, all go somewhere. And we just happened to be in Colorado Springs. Uh, we got a phone call from Don uh, saying, hey, uh, uh, I'm in this empty surgery center here in Amarillo. Do you guys want to take a look at it? And Blue and I looked at every piece of property that we could look at. We we're like, you're lying. That doesn't exist. And lo and behold, it did. Uh, it, just, it wasn't a surgery center at the time. It was a physical therapy um, um, you know, clinic that was a surgery center. They had ripped some walls out, but all the bones, all the, all the stuff to make it a surgery center, uh, all the gap med gas, all that stuff was still there. We didn't have to redo that. And so we, uh, very, very blessed to be able to purchase that place and then convert it back into a, a surgery center. That was launched in 2017. So over five years ago. And then we also partnered with some other surgeons in the community to bring other specialties, mm -hmm. orthopedics, cardiology. Correct. So they're doing outpatient knees and hips, which is incredible. Um, so not, there's some other... not, not to beat that till it's dead, but you know, one thing Amarillo was missing was an ambulatory, a multi-specialty ambulatory surgery center. Um, and for people who don't know the cost difference at a hospital versus what we call a surgical hospital 
we won't name any names, uh, versus an ambulatory surgery center, those are all billed at, well, I guess hospitals and surgical hospitals bill at a, at a rate, uh, and then ambulatory surgery centers bill at a much lower rate. So the contractually it's much lower. Certain things need to be done in the hospital, you know, open heart surgery, complicated patients, but there's a lot of surgery that is done in the hospital, uh, that probably doesn't need to be, or shouldn't be done in a hospital. Now that may not make any hill of beans difference to you, but it does when you have a high deductible plan, mm-hmm. right? And that's only going to get higher thousand. You see, I mean, I remember as a kid, my parents out of, out of pocket deductible was like 500 bucks. Right. Now, like the average out of max out of pocket is five, okay. six, seven, ten thousand yeah. dollars yeah. So, yeah. you know, you know, you got to play, you got to, you got to, it's, it's getting to a point where you have to ask questions like, yeah, Hey, yeah. how much does this cost? What, what is my responsibility? Can I get it done cheaper? For, and we're not talking about a quality difference. Right. It's just, a we location. don't, we don't have a chance that we don't have a place to keep you overnight. So we're really only doing surgeries there that there's no chance that you need to be kept overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that we've gotten way off the topic. No, that's good. Yeah. Well, but- I'll give you an example and Bo, you can correct me, but say, I'm, I, I don't know the details, exact details, but I'm going to give you a big picture. So a total knee or hip, 15,000 versus 45,000 in the hospital. So surgery center is 15. Hospitals forty five. That's the difference. Is that ballpark? Yeah. Right. So if your responsibility is twenty percent and your max out of pocket is ten thousand dollars, you go to the hospital, you're paying ten thousand dollars. That's right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also like you mentioned, when you have the surgery center of Amarillo, it, you have a staff that doesn't really. Oh yeah. Over oh, we didn't much. even we didn't even talk about that. Just the so consistency consistent. of staff. Yeah. Um, we it, the turnovers is a is a thing we talk about in surgical world it's uh, from end of one case to the start of the next case and our turnover so you got to clean the room you got to set up the anesthesia cart uh, replace all the instruments uh so it man i hope <laughs> how much how much trouble we were going to get in, <laughs> into talking about this do it bo but, do it you know i'll echo the, it <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the hospital, an average turnover, best case, you replay 25, 30 minutes, average case, 45 minutes to an hour, worst mm-hmm. case, hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. At the surgery center, it's worst case, 10 minutes, best case, five minutes, you know, average, probably eight, nine, 10 They're minutes. amazing at yeah. the surgery yeah. center of MRO. But it's because it's a 10,000 square foot facility. We know where everybody is. Everybody's right. looking at each other. You know, hospitals, I mean, you can get lost pretty easy in the hospital. One of what's been heartbreaking for the hospitals, we've seen this since COVID, is a lot of nurses retired. Yeah. Uh, a lot, it, basically, there's a lot of traveling nurses that come from all over the nation. And so it's very hard to find consistent staff at the hospital. And that's one thing we pride ourselves in the OR. We want the same staff because they know they know their job, they do it well. And, they're, and it's just that, again, it's like the stewardess, and the team filling up the plane, you want the same people. They know they know what they're doing. And so not to say it's not safe at the hospital. It's just a different, there's a different level of excellence that can be obtained uh, when it's consistent staff. And I think too, the patients tell me this too, like the staff at the surgery center of Amarillo was so nice. They're awesome. Um, so personable, you know, things like that. So it's that little touch that matters. It's not that the people at the hospital are mean <laughs> or not good at customer service, but there's just a different level of care that you mm-hmm. get. They so love their job. Team. They right. love their job. They, they know each other. And yeah. exactly. All right. We're going to take a small break and get another 30 minutes of recording. There we go. 
That's what we're gonna do next. So, how did you? Uh, You're live. You're live. Oh. <laughs> For real? Yeah, for sure. Okay, Go hi, ahead. we're back. <laughs> okay, so next question is, how did you structure the clinic? So, right, we talked about the Surgery Center of Amarillo, which is where you actually operate. And then we've got our clinic here across the road, uh, the fourth floor, suite 413. And we've got, uh, we've got you guys. We have a general surgeon that's with us. We've got nurse practitioners, PAs, dietitian. Uh, we've got a store. We've got, you know, all sorts of people here. So how did that, well, what did that look like maybe in the beginning and how has it evolved? And I'm sure that was an intentional thing. Mm -hmm. It looked the same, but extremely small and way too cramped. <laughs> <laughs> but we had two exam rooms from the beginning. Um, it was, we had three, but we gave one up to the dietitian. That's right. Oh, so it was so very nice. small. Yeah. And very then small. we all, me, Blue, office manager, nurse practitioner, PA, we all, all shared at office. It's great. Oh, man. Lots yeah. of collaboration. Yeah. And you had to discuss who was going to use the exam rooms. <laughs> yeah. You had to do rock, paper, scissors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and so you started with you two, mm -hmm. an office manager, nurse prac, PA, mm -hmm. and a dietitian. And Kelly Faust, who was the overall general fixer, go-getter. Yeah. She yeah. first she just did TNEs and light Just procedures. Yeah. Yeah. That was her. She was now a surgical. She's, now she's the office manager. There we go. Worked her way up. Yeah. Okay. And so what is, what's the structure of our clinic? You know, why is it set up the way that it is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big picture, I think. Uh, so, and you can, you can testify this because you worked in a different practice. Most practices, you come in, you, your first engagement with a clinic is a seminar, mm -hmm. uh, an educational seminar. Uh, now, most of those are online. You get a sign that you watched it. And then there's really no engagement. It's up to you as a patient to then call and get an appointment. And then you have your appointment and then you sit down with somebody and they hand you a sheet of paper with all these demands. Mm -hmm. uh, a checklist. Yeah, a checklist. Psych eval, psych, psychiatric evaluation. Check. Uh, <laughs> cardiac clearance. Uh, you need to go see your primary care for six months in a row and document this. Uh, and then whatever else most clinics wanted to add onto there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I, if I was a patient, I would suck at that. Yeah. That's yeah, daunting. I just like, expected you to do it on your own. Right? Yeah. That's a complete barrier to care. Mm -hmm. Um, so our model was just, just, let's just bring all that in, into our clinic. Let's bring the cardiac clearance. Let's bring the psyche valve. Uh, let's bring the dietitian. Let's, let's bring the primary care into our clinic. Um, and, make that a more consistent, uh, message, make it a more cons cause if I send you off to your primary care, I, I don't know how they feel about nutrition. I don't know how they feel about, you know, exercise or stress management or sleep management or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so I think from the start, our mission was standardization. Mm -hmm. We want people being told the same thing. We want to, to have them be able to get through the steps very clearly because if anybody has been through this, if you if you're that if you're that insurance plan, they're like you need to do six months consecutively, and then let's say you're thirty one, you see your family practitioner thirty one days later, yeah, boom, got to start over, all over, you got to start six over six months, yeah. yeah. So that's very unfair, and so that's mm -hmm. if people wonder why we have nurse practitioners, and uh, it's because we have a different model in in a, in the in the standard model, you would need to go on your own schedule three consecutive six consecutive months of visits with your primary care and to be honest your primary care doesn't want to see you 
monthly for right. six well, months. It's hard. It's hard to come up with the, what to say, and we can yeah. talk about that. Yeah, it's going to be a low quality, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You're hey, not going to get check. much out of it. Yeah. It's yep. a five-minute visit in and out. Do you need anything? Nope. All good. Okay. See you later. Okay. I need to document your weight so insurance will cover your case. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Blue? Um, it, I'm, I love. I mean, primary care. Our pr primary care in our community is awesome. Um, but none of us as physicians were taught this, and we've talked about this before. We weren't taught nutrition. We weren't taught how to really live a le healthy life lifestyle. We were taught what drugs to prescribe what tests to perform. And so um, we feel like we're trying to build this health and wellness and life changing um, environment for our patients. And so that's why we feel it's so unique. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so kind of going back to the point of if you're being referred out for every single thing. So I used to work as a dietitian under a hospital umbrella, right? So I was seeing all of the bariatric cases that would have been done at the hospital that I worked at, but our surgeons would operate at multiple hospitals. Um, and so oftentimes they would complain, you know, Hey, my patients are getting this information from you, but the dietitian at the hospital down the road, they get this information and this information, and it's very convoluted. Mm -hmm. And I think that it spreads to all areas, you know, not just the nutrition piece, but also even like the cardiac clearance, the psyche valve, the coaching for surgery, like from a nurse practitioner or a PA, um, I think having that consistency and also having it in this separate practice gives you a lot of leeway um, because I personally felt working under a hospital umbrella, I mean, there were certain things that I had to do. Um, it was just part of the rules. Um, and here, unless you guys have something specific, which I don't ever really think you do, uh, you know, I have a lot of freedom to give that good education and actually make it worth your while. Well, it's because that's, that's what good. it takes. There's no cookie yeah. cutter diet out there that works. I think we, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that we have that philosophy. Um, and had something else to, as you're thinking about that, yeah, go ahead. one thing I wanted, I want our patients to know, um, and I, I liken the model of you and I, our training is surgery. That's what we've spent most of our career doing. It's what we're good at. That's where we're gifted in the OR. Also, just our team. That's why we've built the model we have. Um, we have some incredible nurse practitioners and PAs and you, Chelsea, as a dietitian and staff that when we see our patients and we take them through this process and journey, both pre-op and post-op, our team, that's what they're good at is helping patients make these changes. What should I be eating? Let's talk about exercise. Let's talk about emotional health. Let's talk about lifestyle. And um, I wish I got to see every one of my patients every time for the rest of their life. But what I've found, and this has been the struggle that Bo and I've had, is we, to be able to take care of the patients that come and see us, we need to be in the OR doing what we're best at. Now, what we're trying to do is podcasts like this to roll out the information that we have to share with our patients. Um, and so it's not because, I, again, I wish I could see every one of my patients every time, encourage them, but um, our team does an incredible job. That's what their gift is. That's what their, their training is. And I, I just want our patients to know that, that that's what our heart is in all this. Well, I mean, agree with that? well, I can drill down and make it more transparent. I mean, just financially, if, 
if we were to see every one of our patients in follow-up, uh, first of all, our clinic would be closed by now because we'd be broke. <laughs> um, and the, the, the second thing is, um, you know, having that consistent relationship with the clinic, whether it be your nurse practitioner, whether it be your PA, whether it be your, the dietitian, uh, having a home base, right? Mm -hmm. Having somebody to ping questions, email, uh, that's very important uh, to me in this whole journey. Uh, you know, as surgeons were, you know, you're hoping my, my worth is in the operating room to deliver a very safe product. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, when surgeons are involved more in the clinical care and the education, they, they it kind of becomes like a, they, they're cheerleaders and everybody needs a cheerleader, mm -hmm. but we want people to have more than that. Yeah. We want people to have, you know, a significant education and, we want people to ask questions and really dig in. And I, I think that's a challenge. That's a challenge in this whole process on the patient side is knowing what questions to ask. Right. And so what, like what blue is saying is that's why we do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, let's put some education out there at when you, when we say something that challenges your notion, ask questions, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's the part that a lot of people on the outside don't see is the time that you guys spend, you know, kind of investing in your team. Um, so putting your, people through like coaching training, um, like all of us being primal health certified. You're almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> you guys, I got to finish by the end of the summer <laughs> or, or I got to start over. Hey, Wendy is almost there too, by the way. All right. Um, all right. so we're no going to make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, little things like that. Um, then also, you know, meetings with your staff, um, doing these podcasts and things like that, because while you may not have the time to, you know, directly spend with every single patient, we've got little chunks of time here and there where we can do those other things. And that's where we're getting the value out to the patients, I think. Right. And it's, it's a better format. Uh, the blue, I've told blue this a thousand times. We both agree that the brick and mortar delivery of medicine is not going to last. It's changing. Mm -hmm. Hey, you need yeah. to come to clinic and pay your $50 copay. And we're going to talk for 15 minutes. We're going to ask questions for 15 minutes, and then we're going to book your next appointment. And there's no exchange of questions. There's no exchange of ideas. Like that's what you don't want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's what I, I wouldn't want that. Right. Uh, and we try to be more than that. I'm not going to say everybody's receptive of that. Uh, people that that aren't willing to ask questions that aren't willing to challenge, challenge their notion of what's the appropriate way to go about health and wellness. Uh, so if, if I could offer a challenge to people come equipped, come ready to ask questions, come to challenge yourself, because if you're just that person that's looking for a pat on your back, you're going to not follow up with us mm -hmm. very long and your results are going to suffer because of it. Yeah. And I think in just like what we're doing here, the podcast, um, I hope all my, my patients out there start their own health and wellness journey and get interested in books that we're recommending. And, and because that's what you have to take ownership of your health. It's not me sitting there telling you in a 15 minute meeting, what you need to be doing. That's it's, that's almost impossible for every patient. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take ownership and run with it. And that's what we hope to give you those wings to go, to go fly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the resources that we have that are available, podcast, the cooking show, you know, all sorts of different things uh, where if you get to that point in your health and wellness journey where you have, you know, taken off with it and you come to this impasse and you're like, ooh, like, um, I just need to know what should I do here? Like this path or this path? And that's kind of where that's what this stuff is designed for. We can help guide you in those ways. Um, 
this is just the vision part of me, but uh, Bo and I've talked about this. We would love one day to take the clinic even to another extreme for those five or 10% of patients that are just like super duper off the charts. Uh, what's my next step? You know, can I check these really intricate lab work to help me? And so we've always had a vision for that. We just, it's, we haven't got there. How yet. do you roll it out? Yeah. And who has, who's going to spend the time to sit down and explain it all? And yeah. yeah. So there's sure. a value there, you know, ultimately we, we want a surgical practice and there's surgical overhead that goes along with it. And, you know, I, we would, if, if finances were not a problem, I would offer everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. But when you look mm-hmm. at time and resources and the, the finances behind it, you gotta, you gotta stay sane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You got to keep your business alive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Please. We like working for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's most of it. Anything else that you guys feel like has evolved a lot since the beginning, since the inception or is a lot different now? Uh, just efficiencies, uh, just learning the day in, day out and, uh, the, the routines, um, we've had, we've had staff turnover. We've had some really awesome staff, uh, that have moved on. Um, but it seems like God always puts something amazing right behind it. So we're, mm-hmm. we're, we've been pretty lucky in that capacity. And trial and error. Uh, we've tried so many good and bad things over the years. Um, all the bad ideas were yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we did some, I mean, really cool things for patients, but found that financially the, the clinic just couldn't support it. And so we had to kind of ax some of those types of things. So it's just been an evolving process offering to patients what, what we feel like will really help them, but also making it where it's sustainable for the clinic. Yeah. And, and meeting patients where they are, yeah. I mean, we can offer all kinds of stuff, but if the majority of patients don't take advantage don't, of don't it, advantage or want right. that, then yeah. you got, you kind of have to ixnay it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I bet, I bet we've thrown, I'd say 80% of the, all the ideas we've ever thrown up on the whiteboard have never met the light of day <laughs> or if they did, it was, it was a brief morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Learned quickly. Yeah. But it takes, it, I mean, it's what it takes, uh, constant, constant, you know, experimentation and questioning and ultimately you'll come up with something, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, I think, you know, just overall from where we started, where we are now, you know, where we started was about 3000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, the waiting room could hold about five people. We can only see two patients at a time. And there blues famous comment at that time where the wheels are coming off. (laughs) He's like, we're so busy. And now That's I look at hear him running down the tiny hallway. Yeah. Yeah. Now I look at it. I hate to run late. Yeah. Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> uh, People again. think I'm sick if I'm early. I was going to say polar yeah. opposites on that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, good. What else we got on the formation of the Panhandle Weight Loss Center? Um, I guess just the last thing is like, how did the store come about? Oh, so yes. we, if you don't know, we actually have a vitamin and supplement store attached to our clinic. Uh-huh. So short story was that I buy a lot of health and wellness products mm-hmm. and I did some research on distributorships and cost <laughs> pricing. And so it basically turned into a place where I could buy things in bulk <laughs> for myself. But then, you know, the, the store has been through an evolution. It started out is it was like, it was just things that we procured that we thought were really good for people. 
that people w- would be attracted to. It could be travel snacks, it could be vitamins, it could be, you know, protein. books, protein, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, certain things do well, certain things don't do well. I mean, yeah. it's a consumer-based business. So mm-hmm. uh, so now it's probably more so we sell things that people will buy, yeah. uh, where it used to be a lot of suggestions like, mm-hmm. oh, here's this. We really, you know, all of us here in the clinic use it, but, you know, those are big purchases. We don't sell them. Yeah. I can only eat so much olive oil at home. <laughs> I can only take so many bottles we of B12. That, by yeah. the way, we tested it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? Um, a big one, and this the store made me think of it, is how did the practice change with COVID? Ooh. Yeah. Right? Because I know like yeah. with the store, for example, you know, used to you had pretty much 95% of people coming into clinic or 100. I don't know. I actually wasn't here then. Um, but you had 100% of people coming into clinic. So they naturally walk through your vitamin store. They're purchasing things. And then all of a sudden you move to a virtually based practice and things change for better and worse, I think. You know, there's some give and some takes. So what are the big things that you feel like might have changed with COVID? So I think telemedicine became a big thing during COVID and we've had, we've had a lot of feedback in the sense of our patients are from pretty far away. A lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of visits through their pre and post op phase and it's hard to take a lot of time off work. Yeah. So we give our patients the option of an in-person versus a telemedicine uh, visit. And What's changed for us is I think our patients saw how easy and convenient it was because most everything's education. So that's why we do a lot of telemedicine. Um, we could probably have half the size of the clinic now mm-hmm. post COVID, uh, which is we've had to kind of adapt to things. We do a lot of drop shipping now. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I'd say the biggest thing is. Ditto. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, it just it, things get more efficient, you know, because you don't have to you know, find a babysitter. You don't mm-hmm. have to take a half a day off of work. You don't have to arrange a trip to Amarillo to get some of this stuff done. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, those are all barriers to care. Uh, we, we more routinely run on time now because you can log in one minute before your appointment, right. uh, and we're good. Whereas if you got here one minute before your in-clinic appointment, everything's you're, thrown off. It's a, it's, it's okay, a 10 to 15 five, minute. Yeah. It takes time yeah. to get you from the waiting room, get you checked in, do this, do that, mm-hmm. get you in yeah. the room. Mm-hmm. Doctor's already been distracted. Now he's watching some weird YouTube video and <laughs> you know, it's, uh, he's writing a book. Yeah. yeah or doing a podcast. <laughs> so, you know, with, with telemedicine, with COVID brought efficiency, mm-hmm. um, somewhat the acceptance of, as I was mentioning earlier, getting away from the delivery of care in the brick and mortar mm-hmm. coming to a building, yeah. You know, um, I mean, if you ever see me using my stethoscope, you, you know, I've gotten like Rocky mountain tick fever. <laughs> um, so it's, it, I say that with, with a grain of salt. Uh, I, I still not use it. It, it is, it is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I always want our patients to know that they can, we love in-person visits. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. come by now. Um, we do have to, as a clinic, change up some things to make it efficient because if we're seeing a lot of telemedicine and then putting in person in between that, Mm -hmm. there's a degree of inefficiency. So we got to figure we have to really be strategic on that. Um, 
So, yeah, I think telemedicine is like, we should have been there 20 years ago, like with the mm -hmm. advent of the internet, but mm -hmm. we just weren't and COVID kind of pushed the healthcare no, don't, world. Don't worry, the it. government's rolling it back. So. Yeah, I know, but I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think a lot of people really like it, patients and practitioners, but you're right. Like when you put both, it kind of is inefficient. So <laughs> there's a struggle there, um, but you know, it gives people options. Like you said, it takes away mm -hmm. some of that barrier of care, Yeah, which I think is good. Okay. Okay. Well, any final parting thoughts? No, my wife's wondering where I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, head on home. Thanks for listening, okay. you guys. All See right. you. Bye.